Well, good morning, everyone. Say hi, Greg. That would be me, and uh, glad to be here. I want to bring you greetings, actually, from not only Taylor University, but from my original home that Pastor Craig mentioned, Springfield, Massachusetts. That's the home of the basketball, volleyball, Morgan Horse, Friendly's Ice Cream, and Dr. Seuss. You know, just uh, pausing for a moment, and uh, this is such a personal moment for me, because um, as a young man growing up in a church, what I remember was uh, they had this moment where they said, hey, listen, we're going to do some youth things together, and you could go and be involved in it. you got to figure out what you're going to do. And there were all of these opportunities. It was Word of Life clubs, and so all of these opportunities were going on. And someone said, you know, Greg, maybe you should try doing something. And, and it was one of the men of the church who just said, come on, why don't we, why don't, let's go down and see what's going on. Let's, let's get involved. And that really, for me, was the, was the real start of what I didn't realize was the call that God would have on my life and the ministry that I would be engaged in. And probably the first time that I ever preached at that, at that event, your dad would have been in the room. So that would have been probably 13 years old. So just as a point to say, the work, I'm hearing about lots of ministry. I saw the nursery going on, and I went downstairs and saw some of the youth. Praise the Lord for the work that's happening. And let's continue to stay faithful because really it's those things that we're engaged in that God uses in such incredible and mighty ways. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Help us as we go into your word today now, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified and that we would recognize just how astounding you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please open your Bibles to Mark Chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. The title of our message today is Astounding God, Astounding God. Mark chapter 4. I'll be reading from verses 35 to 39. Mark chapter 4. On the same day when evening had come, He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. When they had left the multitude, he took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats also with him. And there was a great windstorm that arose, and the the waves beat on the boat so that it was already filling. But he was asleep in the stern on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care? We are perishing. And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Today we're looking at just a few items in relation to our great God and just how astounding he is. And the first would be that Jesus traverses seas or other difficult things. As I was serving in ministry, one thing that happened to us was we wanted to reach out to the young people that were in our community. And we kept thinking about how is it that we're going to reach out to them. And so uh, I watched probably too much television. And uh, I just remember the show MASH. And the whole concept that if you couldn't get to the hospital, that the hospital would come to you. And began to think about this idea that how would we reach out to young people that are so close to us, so often, you know, if we left church this morning and drove to the local eatery, I don't know where that is in town, but there's probably a couple of places that people do breakfast, 
they're full this morning. And if we went to the places that young people hang out last night, they're hanging out there too. And we thought, how can we reach out to these young people? And we had this idea that said, you know, wouldn't it be great if we just took some time and actually tried to go to where the young people are? Years before this, we were serving in a church that met in a house. The church actually was a, was a church, but it was previously a house, so a really small church. And we decided that we were going to do this expansion. And they said, the only problem is during the expansion, there's no place for the youth to meet. So why don't we just move the youth somewhere else to meet? And we began to talk about, well, does somebody have a house we can meet in? And someone said, well, you know, right downtown in our little town of Southbridge, Massachusetts, there is this building that has uh, all these places for rent. Why don't we just rent some space there? And then, you know, parents could drop their kids off on the way to meet, and then they can pick them up afterwards. So we said, well, great, you know, we've got, I don't know, 15 kids or so. Why don't we do that? So that's what we did. And the next thing that happened was suddenly God started sending young people. 10 the first week, 20 the second week, 30 the next week, 40 the next week, 50. Finally, at one point, with almost 100 kids having to rent multiple spaces, and someone said, man, you guys know how to do youth ministry. We had no idea. The only thing we knew was that, look, we have a Bible. There was somebody who played the guitar. We did everything we just did in church. We just did it out there. And suddenly there were all of these young people that were coming in. Now, the, the thing that happened to us was we realized something. Sometimes if you want to see what God is doing, you've got to be willing to get into the boat with him and watch how he'll traverse the seas. I remember when we were doing the whole process, everything about it was just, we were trying to solve a little problem, which was, where do the young people meet? We don't know where they're going to meet. And so that was the only thing that we were actually trying to solve. I love the picture in this story where Jesus says to them, listen, we're going to get in the boat and we're going over to the other side, which actually precludes everything else that happens in this account. Because in this account, you see this incredible storm happen. All of these things happen. Yeah, but uh, beyond all of that, Jesus already told them what he was going to do, that they were going to go to the other side. Well, fast forward years later, we're doing ministry miles away, uh, almost 40, 50 miles from where that little uh, church met and where we were down in downtown in those buildings. And we had this thought again and said, here we are again trying to reach out to the young people. And we said, you know, we saw how God worked before. Maybe what we ought to do is try to find a place that we can meet like that. So we began to pray. And praise the Lord, by the way, that we were praying. And I really want to encourage you. I love, Pastor, hearing about the prayer opportunities. These are great opportunities. Pray. I'm going to tell you some prayer stories later, and you're going to go, oh, my word, we should pray. Yeah, you, we should pray. How much? Just more. <laughs> just more. It's okay. We can just pray more. So we're trying to find this place, and here's what's happening in our town. We would go, we'd knock on the door, and we'd say, listen, we're looking to reach out to young people. And they said, well, which young people are you looking to reach out to? I sure hope I don't mess up the microphone by doing this. And I promise to go back there, but it's just this guy was so close. Here. I'm sorry, what's your name? Derek. Derek, he'll be my instruction today. They said, well, what kind of kids are you trying to reach out to? I said, well, hang on. We would smell them. If we didn't smell trouble, we just, you know, we, they were the wrong kids. We were looking for the kids that nobody wanted. We thought, let's just start there. It's okay, you're safe. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. I just checked. Yeah. So we were reaching out to those kids, and when people realized what we were doing, even though they had four rent signs on their buildings, they said, we're sorry. 
that this space is not available anymore. And that happened so many times in such a desolate area of town. We had even gone to like a, this kind of a, the tough side of the tracks to do this that we said, you know, maybe this is not a good idea. And one Sunday morning, I was standing in the lobby of the church greeting people, and one of the uh, church mothers, one of the uh, senior ladies in the church came up to me, and she said, well, I just came to check on the pastor. How's it going as you are, you know, working on this place that you're going to get to reach out to young people, you know, and how's that going? I said, well, you know, I said, we've uh, been looking around and we just can't seem to find a place. So I don't know, I, I guess maybe, maybe that's, we're just not going to do it. This is not going to work out. She just looked at me and I want to encourage everyone here that is a grandmother, great grandmother, uh, great, great grandmothers, anybody here with a little bit of silver hair on, you should actually take advantage of the opportunity you have. Because she spoke to me so strongly that I thought, man, I really messed up. She said, Pastor, what is wrong with you? Do you not have faith in the Lord? You told us to pray. We've been praying. Why is it sounding like you're giving up? I don't know. Well, good. So I'll look forward to hearing what God does. So in the meantime, uh, being a pastor, I'm not saying this is you, Pastor Craig, but I like to eat. And so I'm a Baptist pastor. I like to eat a lot. And, and so a uh, pastor's giving me the amen nod up front. Anyway, what ends up happening is we went out with a friend. We were trying to reach out to people. I, I encourage you, as you're trying to reach out to people who maybe are trying to find their way to faith in Christ, uh, go find a meal with them. Go eat with them. And we went out to eat. And so while we're out eating, uh, this man who was very far from God, he said, hey, I hear you're trying to reach out to young people. He said, listen, there's a building over here that's for rent, and you ought to talk to them. And I looked at that building, and by this point, actually, I thought I knew something about ministry. And I said, you know, actually, I've been ministering forever, how long? And I said, that really, that space is not right. There's railroad tracks, there's this, there's that. I said, that does not look like a place to me that young people would even come to. He said, well, if God closes every door, maybe he's going to open a window. I'm thinking, where in the Bible is that? Now, I want to know. So, so anyway, God did close every door. No other door was open. And we thought, if we're going to ever reach out, what is your name again, Derek? Derek. If we're ever going to find the Dereks in the world, we're going to have to do something. So I said, well, maybe I'll just go talk to this man that owns the building. And so we called him up. And uh, when I got to the building, it was dilapidated. What I remember about it was um, I'm afraid of animals, all animals, rats, cats, bats, mice, deer. I got chased by a rabbit in our churchyard one time. I... uh, I'm really afraid of animals. And I walked through the door. I said, this place looks to me like a place that mice would run. And I, I couldn't just imagine even being in there. And um, the man says to me, now, what's your last name again? I told him. He said, you know, I know your mom. He said, can I tell you a story about your mom? He said, my dad owns a factory, a sewing factory. And your mom came in looking for a job, wanting to work here. And she got hired. And he said, you know, my dad was dying. And... He said, we didn't know anyone that would pray for us, but someone said, well, that lady prays over her meal every day at lunchtime. Maybe she would pray for my dad. And he said, your dad prayed for my dad and my mom until the day my dad went home to be with the Lord. He said, so maybe, Pastor Greg, we should pray together. (laughs) I'm thinking, no doubt, of course we should pray. And so we laid our hands on the wall of that little building, and we prayed together, and Um, I really felt like this is a great little space, about 4,000 square feet. I said, listen, uh, now that we've prayed about this, 
Can we talk finances? Aren't you like to rent this place? He said, oh, no, no, no. I'd never rent. I'd never be a, a landlord. I don't want to be a landlord. He said, we're going to sell this place for $100,000. He said, but you know what? Let's just pray and let's continue to pray and see what God does. And two days later, I'm driving down the road. I've got my car going. I'm driving down the road, and suddenly my transmission blows in the car. Now, listen, I, you, the only reason why I know is the transmission. I've been babying it for months, and now all of a sudden, pop, it pops. I'm coasting to a stop, and as I do, I hear my phone ringing. I reach over. This was back in the day of those flip phones. Remember that? Star Trek kind of phone. I answer the phone, and somebody says, well... Do you have the $100,000 yet? I'm thinking, I need $100,000 and also $1,450 to take care of this thing. No, I don't. He said, well, why don't you give me a dollar and I'll give you the building? So uh, I'm sitting on the side of the road uh, thinking to myself, this is just one of those funny moments. But again, I wasn't realizing that we were getting in a boat with the Lord and that we were going to go somewhere and that he, we were going to do something. I had no idea what was going to happen. I said, praise the Lord. And we went back, and everyone in our church said, well, listen, there's something wrong with the building. <laughs> Call the EPA. Let's dig around. Let's see if there's some tanks underneath it. You don't just give a building away. Let's check this thing out. So we checked the building out every which way and actually found the building was incredibly solid, almost 100 years old, ready for us. Actually, there was already Ethernet wire run through the building so we could plug everything in. And then we began to get paint at nighttime. We'd go over there and paint and get ready to bring young people into that space. And one day, as we were there late at night painting with a whole group of, pe group of people that we told them, come have some pizza. Then we gave them paintbrushes. And as we're doing this, suddenly some kids come to the door. And they said, we just came to see for ourselves. We heard you guys were doing some ministry over here. We want to know if you guys are going to be like everybody else. I said, I'm not sure what that means. They said, well, you know, you know how you church people are. You start something, but you never finish. We've had lots of people come to our area, but they don't stay very long. I said, well, you know, that's not really our intent. If God opens the door, <laughs> so I quoted the other guy. And um, so we opened the outreach center. We were trying to think about the name of the outreach center, and I tell you this because at the time we were not in the Midwest. We were on the East Coast, and so when I, you know, the name of the center was the Lion's Den. We didn't understand you have a Lion's Den out here. We actually were quoting from the Bible because we thought, what a great idea. Just imagine, imagine how Daniel thought about this place. This place people saw as great danger, but actually it was a place of great safety. And we wanted to signal to people who might be in organizations like insurance companies and other places that were around that this was a Christian opportunity. And so many people asked us about it. And, and so we opened the doors and young people started to come in and someone said, well, you know, what do you do with them? I said, well, we just do youth ministry. That's all we knew. That's what we did. So we, we sang some songs. We ate some food. It was free. And then we said, listen, every day we're going to stop everything and we're going to share Jesus. You don't have to stay if you don't want to, but we're going to open God's word and we're going to share about Jesus. And so that's what we did every day. And after about a year, someone said, you know, and we were doing this kind of on the side. So I told people, hey, don't call me pastor, even though our church was just around the corner. We said, don't, don't call me pastor when I'm there, just Greg. And, uh, and let's, let's just see what happens. And we invited people from several different churches, and we said our hope is that when these young people begin to come to Christ, that you'll take them back to your church, plug them in, get them plugged into opportunity and ministry. And that's what we watched God do. After a year, someone said, you know, you guys are counting the people that are coming in, aren't you? 
I said, are we supposed to do that? Okay. So we put out a little sheet and we started counting. And not counting the first year and not counting the many years that followed after about three years of counting, we had had 50,000 visits at the center. We didn't realize what God would do. And we didn't put our church name on it because we said, you know, this is kind of a church community thing, very much like what happened yesterday as so many people got together. We just saw the body of Christ come together, and sometimes what would happen is a person would begin to reach out and, and mentor and encourage a young person. He'd come to Christ, and then he'd, but he'd be closer to another church nearby that was also a Bible-believing church. So the person who shared with him would pick him up, drive him on their way to their church, drop him off at the church that's closest to him so his family could get plugged in as well. That's what we watch God do. Well, when I think about God helping people get to the other side, we recognize that he travels light. God travels light. And in the passage, what's happening is, you know, Jesus is getting onto this boat. He says, we're going to go to the other side. And it says, uh, this great windstorm arose. And then when the great storm arose, I love that they point out what Jesus is doing. It says, uh, the, it's so much so that the boat was already filling. I told you I'm not really good with animals. I don't swim either. Uh, so I read this passage. This is really, you know, concerning to me that, that the boat was already filling, which means the water was moving really fast. If you ever go out on the water, I do that sometimes, but only in a boat. What you notice is when the waves, when you can see the white caps on the waves, that means you have about a three-foot uh, you know, wave that's in front of you. So even though it looks really low, those little white caps really do mean something. But this is a great storm, so much so the boat is already filling. It says, but he, notice it's probably capitalized in your version, but he, that's talking about Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. I don't think Jesus' boat looked like this. But I just want you to know, this was premeditated sleep. Now, some of us do premeditated sleep. You're going to do it this afternoon, right? You're going to leave church. You're going home. You're, gonna, some, you're hoping someone's cooking, or, or maybe you've got it in the crock pot. But anyhow, you're going to lay down, and you're going to do some, uh, not right now, not right now. Okay. <laughs> In a minute, you're going to do some premeditated sleep. How do we know it's premeditated? It says he was asleep on a what? On a pillow. Well, you don't, what, why do you have a pillow there? Yeah, you have a pillow there to rest. So, so either Jesus or somebody knew. I don't think Jesus was walking around with his blanket and pillow. But I do think that people knew this is what you do in this part of the boat. You go lay down. So they're going to go across to the other side. Jesus goes and is laying down and taking a rest. He travels light. I think about the call for us to travel light. As we were doing ministry, um, we didn't know what God was going to do. And uh, one day, a tussle broke out between a couple of the young people. And uh, it was a big tussle. I mean, I'm saying it lightly here because it was a big tussle. And when this tussle broke out, it, it was early on in the ministry. And I remember thinking, you know, when we do ministry at church, nobody fights like that. I mean, that doesn't happen. It's not what goes on. And, uh, and, and to make it even worse, the person involved 
one of, the pe- one of the persons was a foster child, and so we took her back to her foster home, and her foster mother gave us the what for. What kind of thing are you church people doing down there anyway? What kind of place is this that people are breaking out and there's fights happening? This is terrible. You don't know what you're doing. And so we all went back to the outreach center after dropping this girl off, and we sat down there. And I can remember thinking, maybe we've just made a mistake. We were traveling pretty heavy, and our pride was so big. I mean, after all, we've got the outreach center for nothing, and now God's working. People are coming in. Workers are getting all this stuff done. Young people are coming from everywhere. we got big numbers. I mean, everything was great. We were traveling heavy. And that moment, I can just remember thinking, uh, I think I just want to quit. And... We were, we were going away for a few days, and it was just before that, so we were going to be closed for a few days. But I do remember sitting down and thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't for us. It's hard. There's something hard about this. And so as we're sitting there, knock at the door. Now there's, this, this, there's a heavy knock at the door, and we've got, we're sitting in the center, and all the workers have come back. We've closed for the day, but, boy, our hearts are just heavy. And, and, and now all of a sudden there's someone at the door and we open it and it's the foster mother. And she said, and another thing. I'm like, man, you came down here to yell at us again? She goes, and one more thing. You guys don't even know how to cook food good. I'm going to be bringing food now every Monday from now on. Bam, she slows the door, slams the door and leaves. So I, I said, well, what do you think that means? He said, I think she was pretty clear. She said she's going to bring food now every Monday. And this foster mom who had had over 100 young people over time live in her home, knew how to cook food. And we, had, we were having 50, 60 kids a day, and she would cook food, big pans of lasagna and macaroni and cheese and spaghetti and meatballs and everything, and she began to bring all this food down to us. Well, in the meantime, we were trying to figure out how do we get young people to the center because some people were, they were a little further away, but they wanted to come, and we were trying to figure that out too. And so someone uh, called us and said, hey, listen, um, what you want to do is pray. You guys are not really praying. If you want, you want to see God move, you need to pray a little bit more. So we began to pray, and uh, I'm talking to a friend of mine, and I said, hey, listen, wouldn't it be great if we had a little bus? And he said, Greg, you, you know what? Look, you, you, you just think God just has money on a tree? I mean, it doesn't happen that way. Buses are expensive. They cost money and everything. I said, well, I'm just going to go back to pray. And shortly after that, my flip phone rang again, this time a little text message that was in the early days, right? They were just cryptic. And uh, the text message said, if you want a free bus, call this number now. I'm like, this is really weird. So I call the number, and uh, I, the person answers. I said, hello, I'm calling for the free bus. He's completely silent. He said, who is this? I said, I'm calling for the free bus. Can I get it? And so, so they gave us a bus, and later I found out that what had happened 93 miles away from where we were in Boston, Massachusetts, there was a meeting going on, and this group was transitioning some of their equipment, and they had one little school bus available, and somebody said, well, we got to take it to a junkyard, and they said, no, somebody will buy that. No, they won't. You know, the next person that gives us a dollar can have it, and so someone sitting there who said, I just learned how to text, started texting people that they knew every number they had. They had my number in their phone. I didn't even know who they were, and they said, uh, text this number. If you want a bus, call this number, and I was the first one to call. So we get this bus. Uh, we ended up figuring out we had to paint it all green. We named it Leviathan. Uh, 
Read the Bible, Job, Leviathan, yeah, I think it's Job 38 or 40. We named it Leviathan, and, uh, and it was a great bus, but it was diesel, and don't, don't try this at home, but it had a problem starting. So they, I said, how do you get this thing started? Well, it's supposed to have a glow plug. Well, the glow plug didn't work, so you opened the hood, you took two, there were two heavy gauge wires, you sparked them together, don't ever do this. You spread them together, then the glow plug would work and the bus would start. So every time we started the bus, that's what we did. So we're out there sparking and starting and driving this bus around. And a little girl uh, who came to us and said, you know, Pastor Greg, you're doing this all wrong. You stopped that bus all over the place. We need to get organized. She was about nine years old. She said, listen, I'm going to give you, there's a bus stop. We, I've created a bus stop, and we're going to have all the kids come to this spot, and then you're not driving everywhere. You pick us up, and we can get to the center faster. So that's what we did. And this little girl, she organized the whole thing. And so we would have these papers and sheets and everything. And, and then what we didn't realize was that God was reaching out deeper than we could imagine. And we were trying, we were trying, we wanted to travel heavy, but he was traveling light, and, and he was in a resting mode with the work that was happening. Every week, more and more young people would come. Every week, we would see young people come to Christ. In such a simple way, you know, you just stop and open the Bible and begin to share, and somebody says, What's this all about anyway? I want to know more about Jesus. And people began to come to Christ. Well, while this is going on, again, uh, I'm at the center, knocking on the door. It's the lady again. And another thing, that old bus you're driving, I can't stand it. We're not putting my kids in that bus. You come to my house after you get done today. So now I'm like, man, what's going to happen next? We go to this lady's house again. Now there's a big silver 12-passenger van there, mag wheels, radio, air, double air conditioning. She said, listen, I've been driving my van around all summer watching you drive that old thing around, and I got a problem. My bus doesn't seem, my van doesn't seem like it's mine anymore. So from now on, when you're going to take the kids, just park your old bus there and take, here's the extra set of keys. You take my van, and you take them anywhere you want to go. So that's what we did. Uh, one day, as we were doing this, um, we wanted to go visit another college. So it's kind of a funny story. We're going to go visit another college. And on our way to go visit the other college, we needed extra seats. We didn't have enough, and we knew that bus wasn't going to make the trip. So we, were gonna, we, we said, well, you know, uh, there was an a Assembly of God church around the corner from us, like across the river, and we, I knew, I saw that they had gotten a brand new Triton V12 van. It was gorgeous. It couldn't have had 200 miles on it. So I called up and I said, hey, can I just ask a question? I know, I know this is going to sound weird, but do you think we can just borrow your brand new van to go with as we take our kids on a trip? And uh, they said, well, you know, um, no, you can't borrow it because you'd have to be on our insurance. So they hung up and said, you know, sorry. And a few hours later, somebody called back and said, you know, but we can put you on our insurance and then you can take the van. So uh, that's what we did. We, we got the van and when we showed up to the outreach center, some of the young people that we had were coming from churches and churches that we knew. And uh, one of them said, that thing says Assembly of God on it. I'm not getting in that. <laughs> Well, it was a great moment for us because we said, well, let's just really talk about the body and what it means to be part of the body. And um, 
Eventually, they did get in the bus. The important thing that happened was we drove uh, 200 miles that day. I mean, I'm just cringing, thinking this uh, $75,000 van, I'm nervous something's going to happen. And when we parked the van at the school we were visiting, we walked away. We came back a few hours later, and there's a note on the van. And this is what the note said. I can't believe that God would help me on a day like today. You see, I know there's someone here from my church because I see our van here, and I'm just having a terrible day. But knowing that God had sent some folks from our church to come and be on campus at the same time that I'm here just makes my heart feel good. And I just wanted to say I didn't need to see you. Just seeing the van was enough. Thanks so much for coming. God travels light. Uh, over the years, you know, we didn't have, uh, as we opened the center, we didn't have money in the bank account. We got someone to be a treasurer. I don't know what they were a treasurer over. They were treasurer treasury over a couple of dollars, right? And they used to always laugh and say, we don't understand how this works, but somehow God just keeps providing the things that we need. And the, the building was an old building, so it had these old, tall windows. And every, you know, October, September, October, we would take plastic, put them over the windows to keep the heat in. So I get a call from a buddy of mine. He goes, hey, can you go out to lunch? And I took a picture of the window and said, no, we're over here working right now, bro. I can't just eat all the time. Just because I'm Baptist, I can't eat all the time. I said, we, we got, we, we're doing something. He said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Why are you putting plastic on the windows? I said, well, the windows aren't in good shape. He said, well, well why don't we fix that? He said, I'm going to send you $10,000, and you go put new windows into place. And that is what we watch God do over and over again, teaching us that we needed to learn how to travel light. You know, in the world that I lived in, before you could do something, all the details had to be together. I wasn't used to being in an environment that suddenly God was just working on things, doing things. But in fact, God travels light, and it's not a surprise that even in this account, this real account, that he would be asleep in the stern. Well, it says, uh, the boat was filling, he was asleep in a pillow in the stern, and it says that they woke him. Now, understand that Jesus is with fishermen, so they know how to fish. This is their territory. In fact, a fisherman in the Middle East at that time would have been seen as Hercules, because the, the sea was considered Gehenna. It was considered equivalent to Hades. It was a terrible place. Sea monsters were in there. Things went into the sea and didn't come out. So if you were powerful, strong enough to go into the sea, take something out, fish, come back, extract it, and get resources from it, you would have been a mighty man for sure. So the idea that these men would have been frightened tells you just how bad the storm is. And imagine just how frightened they were that somehow in their frightened state, they addressed Jesus with their turbulent accusations. And it really is an accusation because what happens is as the boat is filling, which means what we should be doing, we should be bailing right now, right? The boat's filling. As the boat is filling, it says, uh, they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And in this moment, I just want you to imagine what it's like when you fall asleep in church. Now, I can say that because I'm pretty, I've been looking around, I've been making eye contact, and I put my glasses on so I can see. There are no sleepers today. But this is what I had to tell my wife. You'll meet her later. She'll be here in a little bit uh, for the second service. But this is why I tell my wife, honey, listen, if I should fall asleep in church, and not that I do this often, but if I ever fall asleep, please don't touch me because 
I'm afraid that if you touch me, I might jump or, you know, get excited. You know, there's something about waking up a man when he's sleeping. Sometimes this illustration works better when there's actually someone sleeping in the church. And we'll just go back and suddenly wake him. You can see it firsthand. But there's something that happens when you wake a sleeping man. So, so can you imagine what it would be like? And I've had this happen at times where, you know, sometimes our, our daughters are on different clock than we are, and they just decide, I just want to talk to mom and dad. I want to show them this meme. I do something. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. The phone rings. I am like, what is wrong? <coughs> but if you can imagine, Jesus is in the boat. He's asleep on the stern. He's asleep on the pillow in the stern. Suddenly... They've wakened him, and this is what they're yelling at him. They're yelling an accusation. Teacher, don't you care? We're perishing. And this is what I think is interesting. Nobody says, Jesus, wake up and help us bail. Jesus, they're just mad that he's sleeping. (laughs) And so as they're yelling at him, wake up. And and this is how it goes in my house. Maybe this is not in your house. But when when I'm woken suddenly, I'm like, shh, shh, shh. Because somehow when you're sleeping, the sounds are much louder. They're just crisp. Everyone, why are you guys yelling? So there's kind of this moment that I'm just like, shh, shh, shh. Hold it. Wait. Quiet. And I can just imagine Jesus is on the stern of this boat. He's sleeping. The waves are, are washing over. People are upset. They're, they're thinking they're going to die. Now they're yelling, Jesus, don't you care that we're sleeping? And Jesus says, quiet. And actually, everything goes still. The part of this miracle, and it is a miracle that I think is so significant, is that Jesus tackles all the issues. And in fact, what he says is, peace be still. Now, I used to live on a lake, and I want to tell you something about living on a lake. And you'll notice this the next time you stay on a lake somewhere, you'll know this. The lake is never calm, never calm, except in the morning. In the morning, the lake is so still. In fact, one of the beautiful things when you live on a lake is you get up in the morning, you make a cup of tea, you go out onto the deck, and the lake is completely still. In fact, if there's somebody swimming across the lake about a half mile down, you see the ever-gentle ripple that's given because the lake is completely still. So if you can imagine that there is a storm that's so big that the waves are washing in, and Jesus just turns around and says, Silencio, por favor. Quiet, please. If you can imagine that, then you can understand the God that we serve. One who's able to calm the storms and calm the seas. One young man that comes to my mind as I think about the outreach work that we did, he, uh, he came to the outreach center because he was uh, in trouble. He, his family was involved in many challenging things and He showed up one day, and he was crying, and he stopped, and I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, someone in my family has died. I didn't know where to come, so I came here for help. I remember as we put our arms around him, as we held him, as we comforted him, but also as we shared about Christ, we watched peace come into that young man's life. I want to say today, as we're here in God's house, 
Uh, you may be here today, and you could be in one of several places. I would like to just talk about them for just a second before I close. One, you may be someone that's here and would say, you know what? I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but there has been something in my life that's been pretty turbulent, feels like a storm. Can I encourage you that we serve a God who brings peace? You could be here and you might say, you know, I'm here and I don't have a relationship with Christ. And that is causing a storm. You've mentioned several times, Pastor, about having a relationship with Christ, and I don't have one yet. I'd like to tell you that you could have one today. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for my sins, for your sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he was raised according to the Scriptures. In Romans, it tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. Now, good news, <laughs> no one in this room started their life out with that pro proclamation in their life already. You had to come to a place of accepting what Christ has done for you. And if you're here today and you would say, hey, I, I'd really like to do that, there'll be several opportunities. And what, I'm, I'm going to close in prayer in this portion in just a moment. And we'll, we'll make that opportunity available to you. And you also could be here and say, Pastor, right now I'm walking with the Lord the way that I know that God would call me to do that. Yet, I would like to be involved in helping others experience the peace of God. And whether that's through prison ministry that you could get involved in, whether that's through maybe getting some men together and adding to the men who don't have to sleep on the ground group, uh, maybe that's going to be to get involved in one of the ministries that's happening here at the church. You might take that moment to say, I could be involved in bringing peace to others. And, and so whether, whatever category we might find ourselves in today, it is our hope that you'd be able to respond to the call of God on your life.